I'm excited today to dive into part, uh, I guess today is part four, our final installment of this Believe Again series. And the baseline scripture of this series has been 2 Corinthians 5, 7, where the Bible tells us that we're called to live by faith and not by sight. If you're a follower of Jesus, we are called to be a people of faith who live by faith, who walk by faith. And we see this in the scriptures, right? Uh, We see Daniel prayed by faith and God shut the mouths of lions. That Joshua and the Israelites marched around the walls of Jericho by faith and God brought the walls down. And today, we're going to look at a New Testament passage where Peter steps out of the boat in faith and he walks on water. And I want to talk today from the vantage point of stepping out in faith. But let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word's a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. As we open up your word today, we humble ourselves and posture ourselves to receive from you, and it's in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. One last thing to mention. Hey, if you're watching online, um, there is a commitment card link online card there in the chat area. Uh, I know some people are not able to be with us today. Um, But before we dive into our message, we're going to read out of Matthew 14 if you have your Bibles with you today. If not, we'll have them on the screens. But I I love this time of year. In fact, um, I love the time of year because of the holidays. But I also love this time of year. What I love to do is around November, December, I'll take several days personally, um, and I do a little bit of reflection on the year. I'm kind of a big self-reflection. I'm also big kind of New Year's resolutions. I don't really use that terminology, but New Year's goals, New Year's vision kind of person. And last year, I took some time to really kind of reflect on my year and, and set some vision for the next year, which I think it's important to do. And one of the areas of my life that I felt personally that I needed and I desired to grow in was in the area of recreation. Uh, I don't know if anybody else had the same problems I have, but for years of my adult life, my number one hobby was work, my number two hobby was work, and my number three hobby was work. Come on, somebody. Uh, So I, I wanted to have a little more fun in my life. So I had a lot of my friends uh, enjoyed the game of golf. And I, I had never really played golf. And last year I turned 40 and I decided, you know what, um, I'm going to give it a try. You know, it's one of those games you can play as you age. Come on, somebody. Uh, so I was like, I'm, I'm going to give it a try. And in fact, it's, it's funny now because I, I used to make fun of my friends who played golf. And I was like, you know, it's not a real sport, right? You know, and I used to kind of throw shade at them. Um, first time I went to play golf was February of this year. I went to the driving range. And uh, some of you who golf can feel this pain. Uh, about 90% of my shots were absolutely horrible. In fact, true story, there was a seven-year-old in the, in the bay next to me who was hitting the ball far better than me. I almost like wanted to, like, I needed to call my therapist after that moment because I was like, this seven-year-old is hitting the ball better than I am. And uh, I'm a 40-year-old man. But you know this feeling, right, if you played golf. But then out of every, like, ten shots, you get that one shot that you hit it and you're like, oh. I'm going to give my life to this game. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, that was amazing. And the first time I played nine holes, I'll never forget it still. I had a seven iron. I remember hitting that ball. And when it landed on the green, I was like, I I need to be here every day. (laughs) Christina, I don't know how we're going to make it work. I need to be here every day. Uh, Obviously, it hasn't. In fact, I haven't been golfing in about two months, actually. Um, But what I realized was this. Golf, um, it it was not great hearing about other people play golf. 
In fact, I even tried watching golf, which I'm going to be honest with you, I still really can't watch golf, okay? Um, watching golf's not exciting. Hearing about other people play golf is not exciting. Playing golf, 85% of the time, frustrating, 15% of the time, exhilarating. Come on. But playing golf is still far better than watching someone play golf. And, and, and can I tell you this? The same is true when it comes to a life of faith. Living a life of faith is far more exhilarating and exciting than hearing about somebody living a life of faith. Than reading about even the amazing stories in scripture of people living a life of faith. It is far more exciting to actually live a life of faith. That's why as your pastor in this series, I've been saying I want you to pray and ask God and do what he says. Because I want you to experience the abundant life that Jesus has for us. And it is found in living a life of faith. And I want to talk today from the vantage point of stepping out in faith. And we're going to look in a moment in the scriptures where Peter, the, the disciple Peter, he steps out of the boat and he walks on water. And I want, to, I want to give us some encouragement as well as a challenge today to live a water walking type of faith. Can I say this? I don't want you to be like the other disciples who stayed in the boat. There were other disciples there. They stayed in the boat, but Peter walked on water. Let's read Matthew 14. We're going to read some scripture. Verse 22, it says this. Immediately, uh, let me pause real quick. Let me give you context if, of where we are in scriptures. Jesus had just fed uh, the 5,000, not too, too, lo- too long before this, uh, fed 5,000 with a few loaves and few fishes, 5,000 men, women, and children. And now, uh, the Bible says in verse 22, he sort of sends his disciples over the Sea of Galilee. It says this, um, immediately he made the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Uh, they were going to the town called Bethsaida, a fishing village. While he dismissed the crowd and he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. I'm going to give you three decisions I think it's important to make for us to live a life, a water-walking faith type of life. And here's the first decision. We have to decide to, number one, step out in faith. So Jesus, he sends them on the boat on their way. Knowing very fully well they would, they would encounter this storm. And they had just observed a pretty significant miracle because took a few loaves, a few fish, and fed thousands of people. But now Jesus wanted to move them from merely observing the miraculous to participating in the miraculous. Because he, in this moment, Peter walks on water, then Jesus calms the storm. Anybody else here, you're like me, when you watch a movie... 
Anybody here, you get emotionally engrossed in the film? Anybody? Like when you're watching it, like when you're watching the adventure movie, like your heart starts to race and you're like, this is exciting. Like you feel like you're in the movie. You're like, I'm pretty much Tom Cruise. Come on, somebody. Uh, or you're watching, uh, maybe for you, it's a rom-com. Come on. And, and, and all of a sudden, or that Hallmark Christmas movie, and you imagine that you're the big city girl who are being swept away by the small town. They're all the same, aren't they? Come on, somebody. That you show up at this Christmas tree farm in the middle of rural America, and all of a sudden, your heart is just taken away. You're like, oh! Uh, and you imagine, right? You get emotionally engrossed in films. But here's the reality. Even though you feel emotionally invested, that, it, that adventure flick, that's not your life. That Hallmark Christmas movie, there's no small town boy at a Christmas tree farm ready to woo you away. Come on, somebody. I hate to break your Hallmark bubble, burst your bubble, but, but it's just true. Hey, listen, listen. <laughs> if we're not careful, we can come to church and we can hear stories of faith. We can open up these scriptures and read stories of faith. And just because you read a story of faith does not mean you're living a life of faith. Just because you're emotionally inspired in church on Sunday by hearing a story of faith doesn't mean you're actually living a life of faith. And as your pastor, I want to encourage you today to take these words, put them into practice, because where the abundant life that Jesus came to give us is, it's found in living a life of faith, of stepping out, saying, God, I'm going to trust you. He wants to move us from, from observing to participating in the activity of God. Can I say this for those of you who've been following God for a while? Look at me for a second. Here's, here's a temptation that perhaps you face, because I've faced this. Because you've, you've taken steps of faith in the past. And here's a temptation, maybe you found this, I know I have is that you will live off of yesterday's faith. I, I imagine the disciples, they were like this. Hey, Jesus, we, we've done enough. I think I'm going to stay on this boat right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we followed you when nobody else were following you. Are we good now? Like, we're already set. Can I tell you, is your pastor temptation I find? I've been there. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll sense God ask me to take a step of faith. And here's the thought I'll have and a conversation I'll have with God. But God, haven't I done enough? Haven't I sacrificed enough? Like, I took a step three years ago. Remember that step, Jesus? That was a big step. <laughs> Doesn't that cover the next 10 years? Hey, listen. And, and here's what happens. You end up living what 2 Timothy 3, 5 says. And I say this in love. This is Apostle Paul is you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. You go to church, you know all the church language, you know all the Bible stories, but you are no longer living a water-walking type of faith kind of life, and you are denying the very power of God in your life. And I'm going to stir you today. Listen, thank God for what he did last year. But what is he doing in your life today? What step of faith is he asking you to take today? Man, thank God for our history with him. But what's he asking you to take 
today. He wants to move you from hearing about stories of faith to living a life of faith. From hearing of stories of somebody else finding freedom from their addiction or their sin to you finding freedom from your addiction or your sin. From hearing stories of God blessing someone out of their obedience to his word to you being blessed by God out of obedience to his word. Hebrews eleven six says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Those are strong words. Now, faith is far more than just belief. James chapter 2, brother of Jesus, says in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead faith. That if, if faith, if you really believe, here's what it means. If you really believe Jesus' disciples, walk on the water. If we believe this, that it should show up in the way that we live our life, that we're trusting God, we're seeking God, we're obeying God, we're following his leadership. Growing up as a kid, one of the memories I have was my father and I went to a lot of baseball games. We grew up Baltimore Orioles fans. I grew up north of and also, there was a minor leagues team that started in Wilmington, Delaware. And we would occasionally go up to Wilmington, Delaware to this team called the Wilmington Blue Rocks. And I probably went to about 20 games at the stadium. And it was always fun. It was a great time to see, you know, players playing on the field. But when I was in high school, I played high school baseball. And I was a first baseman. And my senior year, my, my coach somehow organized to where we played our final game of the season on the Blue Rocks field. Now, we had played in, like, high school fields that weren't, like, you know, that nice. To all of a sudden playing on a professional field, like, perfectly manicured grass, like, the, like perfectly raked dirt. I mean, when the ball, the first baseman, if the ball, like, scooped, it was like a perfect bounce. Like, there was no crazy bounces. It was, like amazing. As, as enjoyable as it was to watch a game on that field, it was far more memorable and exhilarating to play a game on that field. And the same in our area of our, of our faith. Here's my question for you. What area is God pinpointing for you to step out in faith? What area of scripture is God highlighting that you need to step out in obedience to? What person who's hurt you is God putting his finger on that you need to take that step and forgive them? You need to take that step and obey his word. You need to take that step and be vulnerable with somebody else. You can find freedom from your sin and your struggles. Number two is this, the second point. Number one, you have to, you have to make a decision. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out in faith. And number two, you have to fight fear with faith. So Jesus comes walking out on the water. Now these disciples walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus. Like they saw early morning Jesus, you know, bedhead. Come on, somebody. They saw, they saw mid-afternoon Jesus cooking the fish. They saw late night Jesus turning up at the wedding, water into wine. Let's go. They saw Jesus, like they walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus. But yet when he's walking on the water, they're like, ah, a ghost. It's like, bro, you've been, you've been living with him. 
Like, what if your best friend walked into your house tonight? You're like, ah, ghost. You'd be like, bro, you, you, you got problems, right? Now you're saying, well, Jer- Jeremy, he was walking on water. But they saw him raise the dead. Why wouldn't you think he could walk on water if he can raise the dead? Hey, a little side note. Why do you not think God can do a miracle in your life if he's done it in somebody else's life? And don't buy the lie, oh, he'll do it for them but not for me. That's not true. Here's why. Write this down. Here's why they thought he was a ghost. Because they were afraid. And fear always distorts reality. Fear will make you see things that aren't really there. Fear will make you hear things that aren't really being said. Like you're afraid of being let go at work, so you think your coworkers are talking about you, and they're not talking about you. You're afraid of being rejected, so, so you're, you, you conjure up in your mind about if you ask that girl out, what she would say to you. You're, you're hearing things that aren't being said. You're seeing things that aren't really there. You're believing things that are a lie. That's what fear does, and fear distorts our reality. I remember back um, about, this is maybe eight years ago, holiday season, we had just moved into a, a town home, and my oldest, Hannah, was about two years old. It was a Christmas Eve night, and um, we'd come home from Christmas Eve services, and as we came home, um, to what do our wonder size appear? Um, not a jolly St. Nicholas and eight tiny reindeer, but we saw um, a mouse in our house on Christmas Eve. Little do we, do we anticipate going to the CVS up the road on Christmas Eve to buy mouse traps. So we got mouse traps. In fact, a side note, uh, that Christmas season, my daughter Hannah kept warning us to read this book called Christmas Mouse. Um, how many of you know your boy burned that book? I said, this book is from the devil, okay? <laughs> I read that book, and a mouse appeared in my house. I got no faith for that. <laughs> but over the next several months, like, every time Christina and I would see, like, a sudden movement in the kitchen, we'd be like, oh, is there a mouse? Have you been there? Or, like, all of a sudden, you start thinking there's a mouse now. Like, how many mice are here? You know, like, you know, and you start thinking you see a mouse everywhere you are. You walk in the living room, you see a sudden movement, you think it's a mouse, but no, it's your shadow, Right? <laughs> Why? Because fear distorts reality. Have, have you ever, have you used the, uh, I know there's now various companies, but like a VR headset before, where you put on a VR headset, right? And what, what does it do is that you put it, and it completely covers your face, and it takes you into an alternate reality. But then you're still living in reality. <laughs> and have you seen those videos online of like somebody in their living room, it's like Christmas morning, they got a VR headset, and they forget they're in their living room, and they go to jump over a log, and they jump into their drywall. Come on. <laughs> My favorite, I saw this guy, he got one, he was boxing, and the boy, like, he just completely lost all sense of like, I'm, I'm, he was completely engrossed in the fight. And he's like swinging, and he's got family members ducking. They're like, yo, stop. Like, he, he just lost all sense of, he, what happens were this, they were reacting to the virtual reality they were seeing. And here's what happens with fear. 
Fear will have you reacting out of fear to a reality that doesn't really exist. Here's what will happen. Fear will keep you from taking that step and applying for that job because you're afraid of being rejected. Fear will stop you from actually committing into the relationship even though you know they're supposed to, you're supposed to be with them, that they, they're supposed to be your spouse, because you're afraid of being hurt again. Fear will cause you to not write that book, start that nonprofit, launch that business because you're afraid of being a failure or you're afraid of not having enough. And here's what fear will do. Fear will prevent you from walking in the purpose that God has for you. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. Think back in your life. Here's how you can know how much fear lies to you. Think back the last time you made a good decision out of fear probably can't think of one unless it was running from a giant elephant then maybe then that was a good decision but or swerving out of the way of a car coming in but but in general life principle you often have to do things afraid faith and fear are not incompatible you just have to allow faith to overcome your fear because if you're going to live a life of faith i can imagine peter for a moment had a little bit of fear to walk on a raging sea. By the way, in Jewish culture, they believed that demonic spirits were in the sea. So it wasn't just the blue, it wasn't just blue sea. It was, they believed there were, in fact, Daniel, chapter Daniel, chapter 10, talks about monsters being in the sea. There was a belief that the sea was evil. So, so him stepping on the water, I'm sure there was some natural fear, but he chose faith over fear. And we have to do the same thing. In fact, uh, Proverbs 12, 25 says this, that anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. That anxiety or fear will weigh your heart down. One translation says will cause depression, but a good word will make you glad. Hey, write this down. You know, you know what will help fight fear in your life? Is you need to have some faith-filled friends. You need to have some friends in your life who when you're like, I'm afraid about changing jobs because I might not have enough, who when you called them, they'll be like, hey, I'm going to pray for you. They'll speak life over you. When you get in that relationship and you're afraid of being hurt again and you're telling them, hey, that past script of me being hurt again is running through my mind, they're going to pray for you and speak life into you. You need some faith-filled friends in your life. Peter was focused on Jesus. The disciples staying in the boat, I imagine, allowed themselves to be full of fear. But, but Peter fed his faith by focusing on, on Jesus. I love what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 56.3. When I am afraid, watch this, I put my trust in you. You know how I love this? Because we see the evidence of both fear and faith coexisting. And watch this. He says, when I'm afraid, I, I willingly choose to put my trust and my faith in God. In the face of fear of not having enough, I choose to trust God and not my fear. In the fear of being hurt again, I choose to trust God and not my fear. I willingly place my trust, my faith in God. You got to feed your faith. What does Romans 10, 17 says? Paul says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I remember my freshman year of, of college. And uh, 
it was the first time in my life I'd ever lifted weights. And I immediately, like, fell in love with weightlifting. And you feel that pump for the first time? Come on, somebody. All of a sudden, I was like, I'm hooked. Next thing I know, I subscribed to Muscle and Fitness Magazine, and I aspired to be a bodybuilder. Come on, somebody. It clearly worked out, didn't it? See, it's... But I was, like, all into it. I was like... And they had these, they had these, these advertisements in Muscle and Fitness Magazine for protein. Then you go to the gym and you see guys with the protein shakers. And you're like, I need one of those. I don't know what's in those. I think some of you are adding some stuff in those. Well, let's, talk, let's talk about that. But, but I started to drink protein because, protein, you know, I found out when you, when you tear your muscle fibers down, protein is the building block to rebuild your muscles so they can grow and become stronger. That you feed your muscles protein so you can become stronger. How do you feed your faith? You feed your faith with the word of God. Hey, here's my challenge for you. If you've been thinking to yourself, I'm lacking faith, I'm being gripped by fear, here's my question for you, is how is your time in the word of God? Not to cause condemnation, but can I tell you, there's been some mornings, can I, can I be honest, does anybody ever have a morning where you might wake up and you have some, some thoughts of fear or anxiety? It can be about your kids. Can be about your health. Can be about maybe your parents who are who are aging and their health is is poor. It can be about your finances. It can be about a meeting you have at work. And you know what I found? That when I begin to read the Word, there have been so many mornings. I'm not saying it's like a magic pill, but I'm saying this: that if you want to feed your faith, you got to feed on the Word of God. There are so many times I read the Word and I walk away being full of faith. That when I go into my prayer time, I pray full of faith. Why? Because I fed my faith with the word of God. Can I tell you, when I scroll social media, I don't feel full of faith. Come on, somebody. When I scroll the news, I don't, I don't feel full of faith. I'm not, I'm not saying you put, your, you put your head under a rock. But I'm saying this. Mind or be aware of what you're feeding your mind. Because it's doing something to your spirit. Of whether you're going to be full of fear, I'm going to be full of faith. So I'm going to feed my mind. I'm going to start my day with the word of God. I'm going to sit under the teaching of the word of God so I can feed my faith. Can I give you a couple scriptures to feed your faith today? Here's number one, Psalm 46.1. It says, God is our refuge and strength. Watch this. An ever-present help in trouble. Here's what that means. Even when you feel alone, you're not alone. He's an ever-present help in trouble. Even when you feel like I have no help, it's not true. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Isaiah 41, 13, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. John 16, maybe my favorite one because it's Jesus. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. That in him we have peace. Feed our faith. And here's point number three. Write this down. The third decision we must make is we must fix our focus on Jesus. You know, Peter... As he was focused on Jesus, he was able to walk on the water. But the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus, 
and he focused on the wind and the waves. Hey, mind you, write this down. The wind and the waves were always present. The only thing that changed was his focus. So, so that, listen, he walked on water in imperfect conditions. So do not wait for, okay, God, when you calm the storm, then I'll step out of the boat. God wants to show you he is the Lord over the storm. That you can actually walk through storms and still have peace. That you can actually walk through hard circumstances. This is important. When you follow Jesus, nowhere in scriptures does it say that God will all of a sudden resolve all your problems. Come on, somebody. But it does say this. That regardless of what problems you do face, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus' final words. What did he say? He says, and I will be with you until the end of the age. He's always with you. His peace goes with you. So when Peter, the moment Peter took his eyes off Jesus and put his eyes on the waves, he began to fall. But who was there to help him up? His ever-present help in time of trouble. Jesus' right hand helped him up in that moment. We've got to fix our focus. I was thinking about focus and, and the power of distraction and how we are all tempted like Peter to get distracted. I was thinking about my daughter Hannah uh, about five years ago for, I don't know if it was her birthday or Christmas, we, we purchased her a, a mini Jeep, uh, mini as in Minnie Mouse. And it was a pink Jeep, purple hearts, and a big face of Minnie right on the hood. Your girl was so excited. But then when she got in the car and she started to drive it and she started to mess with all the controls in the car and she didn't look at all where she was going. And then she's looking around and she's looking back to Christina and we're all saying, Hannah, look up. You got to look where you're going. Next thing you know, she runs into this line of bushes that separated our house from our neighbor's house. Come on, some of you still drive like that. You need to repent. (laughs) I see you on the highway like this. <laughs> hey, a little side note. I did some research about, about distraction. Because here's what I'm going to get at. Do you know almost a half a million people are injured in a year because of distracted drivers? Distraction destroys. Hey, here's this for your life spiritually. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How will he do it? He will do it by distracting you. You're living this life of faith, but now you're, now you're distracted by your doubts about who God is. Now you're distracted by your fear of failure or rejection. Now you're, you know how fear often manifests in our life? It's through insecurities. Is we don't apply for that job because I'm not good enough. We, we, we don't start that business because I'm not qualified enough for that. Hey, listen. The enemy will often try to convince you that you are not good enough to do what God's called you to do. Hey, look up for a moment. The Bible says this, that you, everyone say me. Me. Not everyone, not, not all of you said that. Say it again. All of you say me. Me. It still wasn't all of you, but that's okay. This is for you. The Bible says you, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
You are a beloved child of God. And if you have ever thought in your life you are not worthy of God's blessing, it's a lie from the pit of hell. You are a daughter of God. You are a son of God. You are a child of God. You are a child of the Most High King. That is who you are. And Peter was focused on on Jesus. He was able to walk on on the water. Don't allow these things to distract you from God's purpose for your life. Don't allow your insecurities and anxieties and doubts and hesitations or circumstances. Do not wait for perfect circumstances. Do not wait for calm water to step out of the boat or you'll miss the miracle, Peter. Do not wait for perfect circumstances, Joshua, to march around Jericho or the walls will never come down. And some of you may be waiting for a more perfect time, and I'm going to help you out. That time is never coming because faith requires for you to believe even when you do not see. For we live, we walk by faith and not by sight. That even when things don't make sense and they don't match up and they don't line up, we say, God, if you are saying it, I believe it. And I will do it because I trust you. Do not wait. You will miss it out. And you will look back on your life saying, man, I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. What's God God prompting you today to do? Don't live off of yesterday's faith. Don't live off of, oh, yeah, you know, I remember that four years ago when I said, yeah. Yeah. I remember that last year. Yeah, I said, yes, no. Today, fix your focus. Hebrews 12, 2 says we do this, we live this life of faith by keeping our eyes on Jesus, who champion, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And let's not get it twisted. This is not religion, meaning this. We don't live this life of faith to somehow earn his grace or his acceptance. It's by his sufficient grace. What does Paul say? Your grace is sufficient. It is by the grace of Jesus Christ that we in the first place can even live a life of faith. That it is about him. It is for him. He initiates our faith. And the Bible says he perfects, he develops our faith. He perfects our faith. You know, five years ago, we were on the verge of, of kind of preparing to start Catalyst Church, and it was uh, October of 2018. It was a Thursday. I know it was a Thursday because that night I went to a Thursday night Baltimore Ravens football game, which is always the will of God. <laughs> Go Ravens. Um, and I had had a meeting right before I was about to drive up to Baltimore. I had a meeting Have you ever had a meeting where you were expecting the meeting to go one way and it goes a different way? And I walked out of the meeting just discouraged. And we kind of just sort of like proverbially like kind of stepped out of the boat with this church uh, plant thing. And I was discouraged. And I would love to tell you the moment that I felt uh, uh, an ounce of fear, I I, I just fought it with faith. Um, But I allowed fear to eat my lunch for a little bit. And I began to just think about all the what ifs and what ifs and what ifs. And um, Here's how you know, here's how fear does its work. Fear will cause you to freeze and not step forward in faith. And that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to keep me where I was so I didn't trust God. 
about 20 minutes into my 45-minute ride to Baltimore, after letting fear just kind of mess with me, kind of eat my lunch, I put on some worship music. And I began to just worship and pray. And uh, over the next 30 minutes, the problem that I was facing didn't all of a sudden get resolved like that. Um, All of my issues didn't go away like that. Here's what I'm saying. My circumstances didn't change. The winds of my life were still whipping. The waves were still large. But you know what I had in that moment as I was worshiping and praying? As 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 I... willfully said, you know what, God, I'm going to, even though I'm facing my fear, I'm going to put my trust in you. Here's what happens. I experienced a peace beyond all comprehension that Paul wrote about in Philippians 4. And listen, even though everything externally did not all of a sudden become all right, deep in my spirit, I had this sense of peace of saying, it's going to be all right. I stand here five years later looking before a church, and can I tell you, it was all right. Hey, listen, here's what fear will also do. Fear will cause you to over-dramatize whatever problem that you're facing before you. It will. Because I thought, this is the one. It's going to take us out. It didn't take us out. What did I have to do? I had to do what Peter did. I had to fix my eyes on the champion, Jesus who he initiates, he perfects my faith. Can I help you out, church? We don't manufacture faith. Let me just try harder. Let me believe more. No. I fix my focus on King Jesus, who's the champion, who he was, he is, He is to come. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He's the Lion and the Lamb. He's the Son of God. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. That's my King. He's my champion. He's the one who builds my faith. He's the source of my faith. And everything is for His glory. We've got to fix our focus. My last scripture, what did Jesus say? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not give as the world gives. <laughs> but do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Hey, here's my hope as your pastor is that you would live a life of faith. Where you're seeking God all the days of your life. You're following what he's leading you to do. And that we would have, like Peter, a water walking type of faith. Can you bow your heads with me, church?